Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. I Good morning, this is Annie for Showreel, 3CR's look at the Australian film industry. And today we're going to focus on a film called... Uh, Descent into the Maelstrom. This is a film about, a documentary, about the seminal Australian band, 1970s band, Radio Birdman. If you don't know anything about Radio Birdman and you're into Australian music or music in general, then you've missed out. You need to go and buy a ticket. It's opening uh, tonight at uh, Nova. Uh, And uh, I'm talking to the director, Jonathan Sequira about the film. Quite clearly, Descent into the Maelstrom, the film that you've made, is not just about a film, it's actually a story of a scene, a movement in Australia, as you say in your press notes. Tell me about why you see it that way. Uh, well, started out just as a film about a band, and then... Sorry. Go on, it's all right. It start, it's, sorry, there's noise outside. started out as a film just about a band, but it was when I spoke to people who were around, who were involved, and the effect that the band had on them that I realised it was a bit bigger than that. And basically, all those people who used to see the band, they all went on to, to be really inspired by Radio Birdman, to, to do their own thing. It didn't have to be just form their own band. It was like Jules Normington started Phantom Records and... John Needham started Citadel Records and they went on to release other things. People picked up cameras and took photos. There was there was a change in the air and it was happening it was happening around the world. You know, if you look at the Ramones in New York or the punk scene in in the UK, it, things were happening and, and this is a, the Australian story of what was happening here. So, yeah, bigger than just a band, a whole change in Australian culture. So it's a 1970s story which has... Uh kicked above its weight, but why did you decide? You said you were going to make a film about a band. Did you just like them? Oh, yeah, you know, like Radio Birdman, uh, and, you know, I knew them as a sort of prototypical Australian rock and roll band for all those sort of 80s uh, rock bands that followed. I knew that, and I knew it was an interesting story. You know, Dennis Peck's an interesting guy, doctor and uh, former U.S. Navy flight surgeon. So, you know, on the surface it seemed interesting, but it just seemed... I've just found it was a bit bigger that this band really affected people, so that's how it sort of became something bigger. So you think, oh, okay, you know, this this would be interesting. I want to make a film. I want to make a documentary. Here's a good story that just sort of happened across my path. I was in touch with the manager of Radio Birdman and 
spoke to him. He said, well, you know, if you can put something together, I'll show it to the band. If they're interested, I'll let you know. And they were. So it was just really a matter of following through with what other people had proposed but never really followed through with. So there's a certain amount of persistence to get anything done. And so that's what it was really about. I just thought, oh, I, I want to do this. I've decided I'm going to do this. It's interesting. And I kept going. And then as I got into it, I realised, no, it's a, it's a bigger story. Here's a really big Australian story, a little bit of cultural history. Well, it's interesting. The reason why I laboured that point was because uh, it's actually within living memory, obviously. But uh, obviously people have got a very uh, uh, short um, memory when it comes to what it was like post Whitlam and uh, in Australia. Uh, everything was uh, very Vegemite sandwich and uh, Menzies <laughs> and all the rest of it. And, and people don't realise that uh, Radio Birdman was effectively part of some major cultural uh, uh, explosion that happened. And, and, and there was something that someone said in the film, which was I thought was great, of course. Pip, Pip the man says that, People say that uh, Radio Birdman's uh, important to... Uh, there's a lot of uh, Australian rock in uh, Radio Birdman, but he begged to differ that it was actually... That it was, uh, there's a lot of so radio... The Radio Birdman sound to Australia, Australia. Yeah, not the other way around, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, I mean, I know about uh, punk bands in Melbourne during that period. That whole business about doing it yourself, they were incredibly important to that whole mystique. Absolutely, yeah. That was that was a huge thing, and people said, you know, it was the it was the music that they rallied around to do their thing. That that movement that they were the sort of soundtrack to that movement, and uh, you know, it, they they were sort of pretty apolitical, which is actually part of their strength because it gave people their own focus. They didn't have to say, oh, I agree with that, or I'm into those politics or that. It becomes a bit more timeless, and it becomes a little bit more something that you can adopt and make your own and be part of. So that, that's a really interesting aspect to me. Yeah, let's go, let's go to the actual making of the film. Now, you are you were working for the ABC and you've got a lot of uh, uh, real-world experience uh, editing and, uh, you know, shooting stuff. Uh, now, this is a one-man band type of arrangement? Oh, look, I had, had some good help, but <laughs> most of it... Uh, was me chipping away on my own, but uh, the shooting had some good people help, helping with the filming, and I did some of that myself as well. I mean, I did two of the interviews myself overseas and shot the live footage uh, mostly myself. Um, and I've got my brother's been my co-producer, uh, more on the sort of admin side of things and helping kind of the release side. But in terms of production, yeah, mostly me sitting in a dark room, chipping away at it. Uh, you've got to be really important to listen to other people and be open to feedback. And, and look, you know, you know what kept it going is basically the attitude of Radio Birdman. You're editing this stuff and they've got this uncompromising, yeah, just do it attitude. And that sort of feeds in because you, you're cutting together people talking about this. So then you end up doing it yourself and going, OK, I won't, I won't settle for that. I need to make this as good as I can. And how can I do this better? And, and, and getting sort of valid feedback from people you trust and... Yeah, but just really, I, I kind of knew what I was doing in post-production, especially uh, editing, because that's, uh, that's my main background, even though I do a bit of shooting. 
And so I just chipped away and, and just got there in the end. Yeah. So, yeah, so tell me tell me how you did it because I was watching it and uh, I was very interested in that uh, part of history and I take my hat off to you because you've actually made sure that this part of history is actually properly documented. You go through it meticulously and you do it in a chronological way but you also... Uh, have this very interesting element where you introduce the characters of each of the band members and, and then you go back and you've got to use visuals to take us back to their uh, early lives and, uh, you know, you build a, a, the texture of each of the people. How did you come up with that uh, gambit? Um, I just, I'd seen it in another documentary, I can't even remember what, it might have been one on The Who actually where they just touched briefly on growing up and I thought, oh, because this is Australian... I think it really needs to sort of capture where these people have come from. And, and they're all interesting. The, the thing about all those little background stories of the different people and, and pausing just to paint a little bit of a word picture or a, or a picture on the screen was it, it showed them all as outsiders one way or another in Australia. So that was the point of that. I realised after talking to them all, they were all... I think Ron Keeley says it when he's talking about even just joining the Navy years before Radio Birdman, and he said everyone in his Navy apprentice group was running away from something. And I thought, ah, that kind of reflects a little bit of Radio Birdman. They're all sort of outsiders wanting to get away from something oppressive in Australian culture or otherwise. And so the only way to really show that was just to to get to know them a little bit and just tell a brief little story about who they are because you've got to... You've got to tell a story about the people, not just the band, and and that's that's just uh, that's just setting up who the people are. In a in a feature film, the first in a drama, the first ten minutes are about getting to know the, the the protagonist in their everyday life, and so this was pretty much the same. And you've got six people, and just quickly introduce them and say who they are and where they're coming from. Well, it's interesting because, of course, like all bands, especially ones that are as uh, emotion driven as well as intellectually uh, uh propelled which is exactly what was going on with radio birdman i reckon and, you come, and it comes across in the film uh five years of intensity uh, there's a lot of emotion involved in all this uh the fact that they were able to keep themselves together was pretty remarkable but uh you're able to i, I was really impressed with the ability that you had to get across the, in a subtle almost way, of the intensity of the emotion and the betrayals and, and a whole range of other things that are involved in that trajectory of the, the band, you skirt, you, you're, you slightly skirt over all the deeply emotional elements, <laughs> but you leave it to the audience to actually deal with that. Yeah, I... I don't like salacious stuff. I'm just not interested in it. And, but what you said, that combination of emotion and, and intellectual, that's a really good way to put it. I hadn't phrased it like that. I thought of it that way. But, yeah, that's spot on. But um, I just I just want to let people have their say. I didn't want anything too salacious. And it's, it's kind of not fair to put certain things on the screen uh, in a certain way. You've got to be really fair to the people and... Um, uh, if you put certain things on, people will get bogged down in an irrelevant detail. They'll pick up on the thing that... Actually, that's not what's most important. What's most important is uh, that this person felt bad because of that, you, you know, and, and whether it's justified or not, you can decide for yourself. And 
Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just sort of letting them have their say, and they were all really open and uh, really giving of their time and, and their experiences to me. So you got to do justice to that. You got to be do the right thing by people, and would have been really wrong. I, I just would have felt really uncomfortable to do it any other way. So uh, it's funny. All those bits with a bit of conflict and a bit of where people are feeling hurt. I, I didn't enjoy cutting those bits. It was like, oh, you know, this is this is hard to watch. I feel like I've got to know these people, and yeah, it's it's um, it's there on the screen, and, and that's all you need to know how it how it affected the band and, and yeah as little as you need really you, you get the point by watching it and you can see it in faces I'm a big believer in you know you look at people will pick up on body language and things like that it's all there yeah, yeah it is it's actually it was fascinating that uh, it was an unusual decision that you made actually because some people would have found that to be the grisly detail to be the most compa- you know the thing that propelled the film, but you didn't choose to do that. So that's what I was really interested in doing, asking you yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not really honouring the band to me, and and it, people would get bogged down on that. And to me, it's a real the, the film's a celebration of of the people and the band and what they achieved. And if it, I got bogged down on that, it would, it's the wrong thing. It's the wrong approach. It's not. It's not what the film should be about, and it's not what the band was about to just focus on that. It's yeah, it's just, it's just really wrong. <laughs> it's the only way I can explain it, yeah. Hi, my name is Sophia Turkovich, the director of Once My Mother. Uh, you're listening to Radio 3CR, the real radio station. Want to support 3CR's diverse and independent voices? Well, it's not too late, and we still need your support. Donate now by calling 9419 8377. Or donate online at www.3cr.org.au or post us a cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277, Collingwood 3066. Smith Street Dreaming has become one of the area's most anticipated street festivals, featuring Pigeon Jara Man, Frank Yammer, Soul Diva Emma Donovan, Hip Hoppers Young Warriors, Indigenous Hip Hop Projects Wurundjeri Dance Group Jindy Warabak, MC Shelley Ware from the Mangrook Footy Show and much more. Smith Street Dreaming, on the corner of Smith and Stanley Streets, Collingwood, Saturday the 22nd of July, 1 till 5pm. Smith Street Dreaming, one street, many mobs, one community. This is an alcohol and drug free event a 3CR supporter. You're listening to 3CR 855 on your AM dial and, of course, we're podcast. This is Showreel and we're streaming. We're everything that you're supposed to be when you're a digital radio station. And today we're talking to Jonathan Sequoia, who's the director of a film about the Australian seminal band Radio Birdman. It's called Descent into the Maelstrom. One of the things that's most compelling about Radio Birdman, uh, besides the music itself, is that uh, these people who are outsiders or see themselves as outsiders and are literally outsiders, like so many of Australian youth at that time, uh, as the world changed, they actually actively created their own society, didn't they? That was very important. That was a really big deal. 
Yeah, absolutely, and that's what I feel is that's the biggest legacy of the band. Even if you don't like the music, uh, uh, that's the legacy. They just sort of created something and and started. They did. It's like an art movement, you know. <laughs> I'm hopeless with art history, but you know, one of those sort of big movements in Australia that all these artists get together and and here's a bunch of six people, all really intense. Let's create our own reality. Let's let's start our own movement and. Uh, just because we're doing what we want to do and, and all these like-minded people who could relate to that said, oh, fantastic, you know, we're, we're on board too, we're happy to be part of this, we're proud to be part of it. Yeah. Someone said to me, uh, Ali Brereton, who's in the film, said, you know, you know, we weren't outsiders, we were insiders. We had this special knowledge that no one else had. So I think that sums it up better than I can say. Yeah, pretty amazing. So let's get on to that question. Why did, when you approached all the various members, why did they want to make a film? Why did they want you to make a film? What was your pitch? Uh, I'm not sure all of them wanted me to, but I think, so for Dennis Tech, he's sort of, a, he's really self-aware, probably coming from that American background of... Uh, oh, and he also of, thinks he's the centre of the universe, so there you go. Yeah, well, but less modest about success than, say, Australians might be. So he was happy for, you know, he, he knows what he's achieved and he's happy for that to be documented and... and someone to get that across, and I think, uh, and look, everyone, uh, apart from Rob Younger, who was a bit shy and, and a bit reticent, everyone was sort of just happy to have their say and, uh, uh, you know, just to sort of talk about something. It's an important part of their life. I think that's that's probably why, more than even just the band, it was, it was an important time for all of them, so I think, I think that's why they were happy for it to be made, and I think they just sort of assumed it would just be this little fan thing that went to DVD just for the people who know them. And as it sort of went along and did the interviews and uh, the the way it was sort of forming, I think they realised, oh, OK, this is, you know, this is going to be something a bit special because they're special. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, they they just were all really open and... I think they're just ready to talk about it, all, all at a stage in their lives when you, where you're pretty comfortable with who you are and what you've achieved, and, and they're proud of what they've achieved. So I think that's part of it. Well, it's kind of interesting because Australians, uh, if you have anything to do with filmmaking that requires uh, the use of uh, uh, um, historical record, you'll find yep. that Australians are generally really terrible at keeping their own. <laughs> Did you find that as well? Oh, look... Um, Sorry, at, at, at keeping, sorry, documents, terrible at... Keeping, you know, film, old footage, or even at having oh, well, taken funny, footage. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, look, it was really funny because they obviously knew it was something special and they had so much stuff. They have their, so much of their own archive. Uh, funny response to the band. People were just taking photos of them from the beginning. So, obviously... It's just something that fans responded to and said, I want a photo of this, I want to document this, this is happening. So there are all these great photos. Also, you know, people around the time at art school or whatever and were getting out and doing things. So um, it was surprising. <laughs> excuse me, sorry. It was surprisingly well documented in, in photos, not so much moving pictures that's too expensive at the time for most people, but all these great photos, even places like Darlinghurst in Sydney, which was, was a slum, you know, no one... You can't find photos of that in the State Library or the newspapers because no one was looking at it. But there were people there like Jules Normington and Ali Brereton who were taking photos. So it's like, wow, you know, that's the house those people lived in. So 
uh, amazing stuff that just turned up and people had sitting in their bottom drawer for 40 years and we're really happy to share and we're really uh, glad that it was getting out there. So I was quite surprised how much there was actually, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So uh, it's taken you two years to get this done, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, two years. I've sort of had to do it around paid work and everything else. So you sort of two years part-time, a bit here, a bit there. There were times I just couldn't touch it for a couple of months because I was too busy with this or that. And, yeah, the only way I could get it done was doing as much as I could myself. So I don't have to pay other people. But, as I say, a lot of people did help, so it's not just a solo thing. Um but, yeah, just chipping away at it, really, a couple of years, yeah. Now, it's interesting because you think two years is a long time because I've spoken to people who have taken years and years and years and years <laughs> to finish their, their love projects. And so it, it's uh, your level of professionalism has obviously meant that you were able to be quite focused in how you did the structure of what you were doing. Can you tell me about that? Oh, well, yeah, look, I had a pretty good idea of how to tell a story um an experienced editor, especially in factual stuff. Like I've worked on a lot of, um, you know, non-drama stuff like Four Corners and Message Stick and shows like that where it's really about telling a story. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of had a... I, I knew what was involved and, and what was required. I've worked with really good people and seen what they do. So I knew what was needed. So it was just really a matter of, OK, I've got to do this. How do I do it? And... There were times when I was quite obsessed with it and, you know, I'd go to sleep thinking about, oh, if I move this bit to here, that'll help tell that story. So I just was really went over it and over it um, as far as I could and just not settling for that's okay. And and I had a hard time chipping it down. I had a three-hour cut at one stage and really had to trim out what's repetitive, what, what do I not need. Just you really got to be self-critical and... That's what I did, just really thorough. And also, I knew it was about the people on the screen, so you don't need me adding any flourishes. It doesn't need my hearty touch. Just let's keep it simple, tell the story as best as I can, what works best for the story. That's all I thought about, what what will make the story work best. Because it's a good film because of the people on the screen, and I just got out of the way and, and let them do their thing. So that's... That's my advice or something like that. Just don't try and be, oh, I'm I'm a fancy director, I'm a creator. It's like, no, no, you're in the service of those people. You're telling their story, so just try and tell their story as best you can. That's what that's my aim and that's what I feel like I've done, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because uh, they thought it was only going to be a small thing that would go to fans. The uh, Radio Birdman itself in the 70s was an Australian creation which has gone international. Uh, yep. How are you handling the? Uh, it's got a theatrical release. That's one of the reasons why I'm talking to you because it's going to be on at Nova. So, yep. Yep. Where, where else is? What's happening with this film? Uh, so, uh, so, starting from Thursday, the 20th of July, it's on uh, in cinemas nationally. We've got about 20 cinemas across Australia uh, for the, for that weekend. Uh, it might run a second weekend in some spots, but pretty much one weekend only. After that, we're going to roll it out in even more regional areas wherever we can. That'll be starting from uh, mid-August. And, and if you're a fan and you live in a regional area and you want a screening, you can go to a website called FanForce and arrange a screening and they'll help book it with the cinema and we'll help make that happen. So we're going to try and get it out as much as possible. We'd love to do a bit of a tour of all the surfing towns because obviously they're a band that for some reason has got uh, a real surf following, so that would be really good. 
And uh, we're looking at overseas at the moment. Uh, got a few things uh, slowing us down there, but we will get there. And I'm pretty confident there's a lot of demand from Europe and America, a lot of people messaging, saying, oh, when can we see it? When can we see it? So that will happen, but I just can't say when at the moment. But, and is there, uh, a, is there a, um, a release of any soundtracks? Uh, there is a soundtrack, yep. We've got a soundtrack uh, available on CD in the shops and also vinyl direct order if you go to the website, descentintothemaelstrom.net, you can order that. Uh, what we've done, we've licensed... The Fun House was the, the venue that Radio Birdman set up and they had a whole lot of records on the jukebox that were their own and the tracks that people hadn't really heard before in Australia, like the Ramones and tracks that people take for granted and a few great 60s ones as well. So we've we've got a few Birdman tracks, we've got stuff off the Funhouse jukebox and we've got a couple of unreleased tracks from pre-Birdman bands, Rob Younger's old band and, and Dennis Tech's band before Radio Birdman. So, yeah, it's called the Funhouse Jukebox soundtrack. Oh, fantastic. So uh, that's available now, yeah. And, yep, the vinyl's now available. I just picked that up, so that'll be getting shipped out today. Yeah. Oh, good on you. Thanks for talking to me, Jonathan. Oh, thanks, Annie. No, that was good. Good good points you raised and just happy people are enjoying it. That's it for Showreel this week. Now, just uh, the important thing for you to remember is that Descent into the Maelstrom is actually showing this weekend at the Nova and we'll go out with the uh, title track of the film, Descent into the Maelstrom. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.